Hey team, welcome to episode 68 of Transition Talk, where we talk about digital transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. Well, hello, 22, a new year, crazy to think it's 2022, but it's a new year and a natural time for all of us to talk about our intentions and our goals and fresh starts. And some of you take some good time to do some planning for the coming year, both personally and professionally. Heck, maybe it's time to start thinking about the next step in your digital career. Who knows? But in this episode of Transition Talk, we're going to lay out some tips for whether you are looking to sell your practice or transition your practice or grow your practice, or maybe you're looking to buy a practice. If you're looking to do any of those things in the next 12, 18, 24 months, we've got some things to talk about today. It may seem like a daunting task, but know that there are steps that can help you be confident and be prepared as you march in to the coming year. So before we get started, Mr. Loretto, how are you? Christy, amazing. I'm doing great. You know, I love to share my Bella stories. Bella always says to her friends, you know, they're 20, you know, they, they ask, hey, what do your parents do this and that? And so we were shopping this weekend and, and she said, yeah, I was telling a friend of mine, it's like what my dad does. And he's like in the dental business and he does this and that. And they look really bored. But then I go, but he's really cool because he has a podcast. <laughs> I'm like, you realize there's a lot more than I do, honey, than hit record. But okay, if that's cool to you and cool to your little girlfriends in college, yes, that's what dad does for Take a living. It and run with it. Yeah, run yeah. with it. So, you doing good? I am, yeah. I mean, I feel like this is like technically not the first week of January, but it yeah. feels like the first week of January. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's like two times each year where it feels like fresh and new. It's like January, the second week of January once we're past like all yeah. the holiday stuff and then when school starts because I still have school age kids so I feel like it's kind of like a fresh thing so I'm taking advantage of that got some personal kind of goals and things we're prepping for this year like sat down with the husband we did the budget we've planned for like a few home improvement projects shocking we, shocking I know Chris likes to improve that home he uh, does he does so the kitchen is our final task and so we're going to try to tackle Good. that this year and then health wise you know it's always kind of like after the holidays and the social events and kind of yeah. like okay I'm going to get back to Water. I'm going to get back to activity. I'm going to get back to like trying to go to bed at a decent time and unplugging from email and social media and like trying to like, you know, be intentional with my time. That was my word last year. I think I did an okay job last year, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to try to revert back to that when it comes to how I spend my time personally and professionally. So does this mean like you're going to be intentional on the the wine intake? Because I'm going to be intentional on my margarita intake. Okay. (laughs) Yes. That is part of it. (laughs) You talked about the water and you know, the the health and all about balance. (laughs) What about you? No, I loved your intentional use last year. I think I used that a bunch. And I think this year for me, the intentional is, you know, kind of the family and the friends be much more proactive with scheduling time of, you know, quality time. If I'm going down to see my dad yesterday, I went down and, you know, made him his my salsa that I'm known for. And I got him a couple little things and just some small little things that if I'm doing that, if I'm small little things, if I'm doing with the kids and personally, you know, going up to see them this year and, you know, in Norman and hang out. And then I've got Roxanne's youngest, Bryce. He's going to begin going into college. So blocking out some time and, you know, going up to Fayetteville and things like that. So just trying to be a little more connected on the family side and, and doing the same with friends. It's hard, you know, with friends, so you've got to plan. You mm-hmm. have to be just so proactive, put things on the schedule and reach out to them. I miss that now that you don't drive anymore. 
You know, mm-hmm. the old days of when I drove to work and was in traffic, I was pretty good about that. I just looked at my phone. I just start calling people and reaching in. People always say, you're such a good friend. Well, now I'm a bad friend because I don't reach out. So that's not going to be intentional to you reach out to these people. To yes. be a good friend. <laughs> Direct correlation. I will. I 100% agree. Like I always, I'm much better about calling my mom or like yep. calling whoever when I'm just sitting or listening to podcasts or I'm yep. plugging. So all you people who listen on your commute, thank you, and please yes. don't move closer to where you're living or you won't listen to us anymore. <laughs> Professionally, we've done a lot of planning this year, too. I mean, I think it's always a good exercise as a business owner to take a look at where was I in 21? What did we do? You know, what did we learn? How did we grow? And then take kind of, you know, not everyone's perfect and you have failures and you have things you could have done better or things you didn't think about or didn't expect or anticipate in your business. And so looking forward, how do we fix those things? How do we improve upon what we're doing? Even if you had a successful and a great year, Mm -hmm. um, which we did, how do you make it better? There has to be something. I mean, that's what I always tell everyone on our team. Like, if there's ever an issue, like, yes, it's bad, but like, how can we learn from it? Mm-hmm. There's always something we can do. So I feel like this year we've made a very conscious effort on growing the team has happened naturally because we had to and wanted to, and then figuring out what those people's strengths are so we can kind of let those people grow and start to kind of oversee and manage, create that management environment. And then I think training, training mm-hmm. is the hard thing for us to do when we get really busy because there's only so many hours in the day. But I think 22 and 21, we had some training that we will focus on to kind of continue that growth and just continue to make us all better. Right. I know we were talking about this a few days ago, just kind of looking at where the company is and where it's going. I just I love setting goals. I love to be able to see, okay, this is what we did last year. We've got a bunch of big lectures coming up. So, yeah. you know, if you're in the Atlanta area, we've got the Hinman meeting that is approaching us here in March. And both of us will be very busy at mm-hmm. that. I think speaking like eight different events. But one of them, one of the slides I created, and I haven't really focused on this before, but it's the incremental growth in the business. And it's really fun to see, like if you really break out your fixed costs and your direct costs to see what that additional $1,000 crown will do or the $1,000 crown per day will do for your practice and for the profitability and how it can really help. And just to me, I love just kind of looking into the future like that and setting some of those goals. It's easy to set a lot of what your expenses could be, but it's always your revenue that it's the one that you're kind of playing with. And so it's a fun time of year for sure. And if you ever meet us, Charles is always the one who sets the goal and then I reduce it by 25% <laughs> because that's just how we are. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's, that's true. But you got to yes. have that, right? You got to yeah. have the push and the pull and, yeah. and that helps it. So let's talk about you and practices and ownership and I own, but I'm thinking about transitioning. A lot of our concern that we heard from clients in 21, both buyers and sellers, to be honest, was I'm having my best year ever. Is that sustainable? Or how do I know that this is going to continue and this isn't just some kind of weird repercussion from Mm -hmm. 20? Mm -hmm. And so that is something that we hear a lot. And clearly, neither you nor I have a crystal ball and know it's going to happen. But what's your response when you hear that from people? Well, I think a lot of the growth happened because you had so many doctors that just had these small little practices, these 300, 400, 500 kind of collection practices that just went away. And those practices were acquired. And there was just so much demand. And I just don't see that slowing down. People that have active patients are going to stay active. So, you know, if you did a million two last year and your normal year was a million, it's not like you're going to go back to a million or 900,000. I just don't see it. When the demand is there, it's going to continue to be there. Yeah. And I think there are things that we care about and things that we can control. And like really what you should like focus on is when those two things kind of connect and Mm -hmm. kind of overlap because they're 
are a hundred things we cannot control in our environment and in mm-hmm. uh, you know what's happened politically or tax law. Like we cannot control those things, mm-hmm. but we can be educated about them. We can have facts. We can make decisions that are best for our practice and really be educated on what we have in our little sphere of the world and make that better continually. Like regardless of what's going on outside, just always try to improve that thing you have. I've never had anyone who said, I wish I wouldn't have, you know, tried to make that thing better, tried to lower my cost. There's always a upside to that, even if you're not looking to sell immediately. Well, we just saw so many people this year from the transition side, bring associates in, create partnerships. And we had like just a record number of year of transactions this year. And we're anticipating the number to be even bigger in 22. But it's, we did not hear, like, brought the associate in. It's like, yeah, they're sitting around doing nothing. Their doctor's schedule is wide open or, you know, we're, our hygiene schedule is wide open. They, everyone is in this demand. And we work with just so many practices, not just in EP, but from the global level at Kane Waters with, you know, 2,800 practices. We've got a pulse here. Yeah. I mean, this, this firm has a pulse of what's happening in dentistry. It's mind-blowing to see see the growth, and if you're nervous, I would tell you not to be nervous. And what you need to be nervous about is making sure you've got the right people to sustain that growth. Yeah, and that that's a good kind of lead into you know looking at what happened in 21 and 20 and saying, okay, how do we improve our world, that little sphere that we have control over? How do we improve that in 22? I think first and foremost, the thing you have most control over is your financials. How efficient are your expenses? What's your profitability? How can you make that better? And I think for a lot of sellers, what we hear when they come to us is, I really haven't paid a lot of attention to that. I've been mm-hmm. comfortable. I haven't really like looked at how much something costs or mm-hmm. like what I'm spending there. And so, yeah, like, whoa, that's more than I thought, but I really haven't needed more, right? Because as you progress in your career, you are comfortable with a certain number of patients. You're comfortable with a certain amount of cash flow. And unless you're driven in that way, you may not be looking at your financials every day and seeing how much money's coming in the door. You should be, but you may not be, and that's mm-hmm. okay. So I think this is an ideal time to sit down and say, how can I make what exists in my practice better? And I think the first thing that we had, we you know, that we talked about was increasing our fees. Like how long has it been since you looked at your fees to take a look at those? There are resources that can tell you the average fee is X for, you know, this type of procedure. And so where are you from a national standpoint? Where are you from a local standpoint? And looking at increasing your fees so you, that, you know, you're making the most of the people that are already coming through the door. Well, and then you're looking at even the patients that you're seeing as well. You know, and those patients could be tied to insurance, you know, plans. Or if it's, a, you know, if your percentage of the practice is fee-for-service, percentage of it is, you know, a PPO, and percentage of it is some type of Medicaid component. You have to be able to look at the patients, how far you're booked out, and be willing to charge or to cut off a plan or two with some guidance so that you can manage not just the patients but the revenue that you're seeing on a per patient basis because this is a business you have to manage your business that that's your responsibility it's not just your team is going to require more they're going to require more money now based on demand you're going to have higher inflationary costs you know on some of the supplies obviously on some of the equipment that's being you know backlogged right now you have to pay for more stuff. So you can't just have those direct costs just completely impact your bottom line without making, you know, some kind of forward thinking adjustments. And so that's certainly you have to look at not just the patients uh, that, that you're seeing, but also the fees that you're charging to those patients. Yeah. And I think also just your other expenses, right? You have a group of vendors that are helping you produce the service you're producing to your patients. And so what does that look like? 
your credit card services, your supply vendor, your labs. I mean, I know some of those things are clinical in nature and you might make a decision consciously and that's good, but is it a conscious decision or have you just kind of fallen into a rut of using the same supplier and the same lab and you there are other options now? Even things like your cell phone or, you know, utilities, your cable service, I'm streaming you know, streaming music into the office and I'm, you know, paying for three memberships and I never knew, right? Like look at your financials with a fine tooth comb, which you probably never do. See if there's any, you know, fat you can cut and see if there are vendors that maybe, Hey, I'm not really sold or I don't really care who does this for me, but it needs to be done. And and is there someone else that can do it? So that's at least an annual thing that I think you should do to sit down and kind of look at those costs, look at the revenue and see kind of what changes you want to make. And I think this is a great time to do it. Yeah. I've mentioned this before, but there's five key areas that I would want to see if you're really focused on your practice, direct costs. And you want to always break out your team members. And if we talk about general dentistry, so your assistants, hygiene, and front desk, I like those people in separate categories. I don't like associates in that category. I don't want family members in that category. I just want to see my team so I can look as a percentage of collections by department what that looks like. And the same with my supply category. I just want my true dental supplies allocated there. I want my aligners in separate categories. I want my implants. I want my instruments in separate categories. The same with my lab. I want my lab completely separate so I can monitor what those expenses are as a percent of collections, set my goals to what those should be, and give my team some instruction there And that's where you'll see is just these practices. They can thrive and hire people and overpay people, but there are goals within that practice that there's some type of, you know, metrics that we're using. So it's okay to maybe overpay Sally, the front desk person, at $35 an hour and the person down the street, you know, is getting 24 and somehow your person's at 35. That is okay as long as overall as a team from a percentage of collections were in line. So those five areas are super, super important. And just like you said, certainly want to look at all of my vendors, even in some of my fixed cost vendor type and to compare those. And so we've done a good job working with Elite Dental Alliance. Uh, It's the largest group purchasing organization in the country. And that is who Kane Waters and NDP have kind of paired with. It's the exact same ownership of Kane Waters. And that's been our goal is just to really look at a lot of these and really help these practices become successful. That way we can support this demand with our people, our team right now that are demanding to be compensated more. And if our profitability is there and we're managing other pieces, then we can afford to support that. Yeah. And remember, 2020 taught us that people who have cash and people who had that liquidity were more easily able to float themselves and their practice and were not, you know, kind of put in a bind whenever they didn't have an option to keep going anymore for that period of time. And so, you know, 2021 and 2022 is an ideal time for you to sit down and, and take some of that cash, get some additional profitability so you can set yourself up for either hopefully not another pandemic or another issue, or maybe it's more personal or local. It's a tornado, it's a hurricane, it's a stroke, it's a disability that you didn't plan for. You know, I think over and over again, cash, you know, as cliche as it is, cash is king and cash Mm -hmm. is one of those things that you have to have on hand. And so 2020 taught us all that lesson again and 2021 and 2022 um, are your opportunities to kind of help create a little cushion for yourself. Amen. Okay. Staffing, you mentioned staffing and this is kind of a big hot button issue that we're seeing on every front. Every practice I talk to has seen an issue. Someone asked me the other day, you know, hey, 
is, are the staffing issues you're seeing, are they posing a challenge to valuations yet? And I would say the answer today is no, but I think moving forward, I think I can see an impact to the valuations if your profitability is not maintained, right? Your profitability goes down because you're having to pay people more or because you can't find people, right? Your practice takes a dip for a sustainable amount of time, right? Mm -hmm. We're not talking a couple months. This is kind of like over the course of a year or two, we can't kind of get the proper staff in place. A question we're getting a lot is like, how do I solve for that staffing issue? Like the, or challenges that it seems to be across the board that we're having either not being able to find people or not being able to keep people due to compensation. So what are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, this is not in dentistry. This is not in medicine. This is every, this is the, the Home yeah. Depot, the McDonald's. This is the lines out the door of the Apple stores. And you, you just, everyone is having this challenge. I will say one of the risks I've seen where you know, some of the younger people are buying these practices and the established doctor has had challenge keeping people and their practice has gone down a little bit in collections, but it's the number of team members that are not there anymore. So that that's certainly a risk, you know, for a buyer. You want to see that purchase a practice where you've got that seniority that is there because that's going to be that relationship that, again, that you're purchasing. They've got the relationship, obviously, with patients and that that's what you're, you know, certainly want to get when you make this acquisition. But it's a problem, and I would tell you that either A, as a future business owner or as a current owner, you always have to be ahead of this game. You've got to always be looking ahead. I was reading a blog from my colleague Judson Crawford, one of the partners here at Keen Waters, about always on the lookout. You know, When you're in the retail space, you're at a restaurant, you're at wherever you are and someone is just blowing you away with talent, be on the lookout, be willing to give your contact information and to see if they're a fit. Always, you know, we, we talk about here is have one person too many, maybe overpay a little bit for that person and be willing to let the person at the very bottom go. It's just we, we're constantly improving the team that you have. It's super important. We certainly have challenges there. We know there's a demand. We've seen it on the CPA side. We see it on the analyst side, administrative team, and we know that is happening in our assistant front desk and hygiene as well. Yeah. And I think in your practices, if you're a seller listening to this, or maybe a buyer who is looking to acquire a practice, who maybe, you know, maybe a short staffed or, or maybe not, but you want to make sure you keep the people. I think there are a few ways to do that, right? Like make sure you're using your staff efficiently, right? Cross training is key in these types of environments and making sure that if, whether it's they're resigning or leaving or they've got COVID or their kids have COVID and they've got to be out. Like, I think that hopefully you've learned that cross training when possible is, is a key to making sure that things can keep going if you have a key person that's out. And so that's important to make sure you can use your staff efficiently. What I'm about to say is probably a little bit more unique and maybe important to kind of talk about your own unique scenario, but like making sure that the staff feel included, they feel valued, they feel respected, creating unique incentives that like align what their goals are with your goals are. And it doesn't always have to be crazy lucrative financial bonuses, right? It could be weekly lunches that, you know, make them feel like, Hey, this is so helpful. You know, I don't have to think about this. It can be, I talked to a practice at one point and they had this really complicated production. It was an ortho practice, like production start bonus that, you know, if they reached these certain number of cases, very popular, right? Then they did this and they changed from that to what they called like, 
don't know, money drop or I don't know, they called it something. And basically like at the end of the week, if they had reached as an office, the number of like starts and like they had been there every day and like a couple other things, they got to all reach into this bag of money and pull out a random bill. And sometimes they pulled out a five, sometimes it was a 20, sometimes it was a 50. There was always like a Mm -hmm. biggest one, right? But it was kind of like a group and like a team thing and everyone got excited and everyone was like, oh yeah, you got it this week. You know what I mean? So it was kind of not, so it kind of fostered for them, right? That team environment that they needed and ended up being significantly cheaper than if they just paid every single person like this bonus for this number, right? right. And so I think it really is dependent. And, and if you've ever employed anyone, you know, some people are financially motivated. Some people are like, you know, verbal gratitude. Some people just, they need different types of affirmation to feel secure in what they're doing. And so I think being a business owner, it's important that you look at your team and say, how do I figure out how to make us all reach for those same goals? Cause we're all going to benefit right. and sharing in that benefit down to your team is huge. I mean, I've even had a practice do like an annual, like big trip for their team. If they met their annual goals and exceeded them by X percentage. So not something that everyone has the capacity to do, but I think from a big financial sense, but I think there's always little things you can do to like make those staff feel like, Hey, this is a great place to work. Yeah. And sometimes too, even just on the benefit packages, say for example, like on a profit sharing plan or the healthcare benefit that you may get or certain quarterly bonuses is sometimes the employees are just looking at their wages and they're forgetting about all the other things at the employer. So as an employer, it's, it's really good to make sure you're explaining that full benefit package. And again, it's not just about the money. It's the small things that you can do to the text messages. It's the, it's the intentional part, you know, that you're taking someone to lunch and acknowledging them in front of others of just what they're doing, how they're impacting the business. I think it's absolutely key. Yeah. And I think setting your goals that you have, right. That's a big process you probably take or should take. I think where a lot of people don't is they don't actually then tell their team what their goals are. Right. And so they just know they're pushing towards something, but what are you pushing towards being flexible? I mean, I know what most of you do doesn't allow a work from home option, but maybe there is a billing person or as someone who can answer the phones and can do that from home if they have a sick kiddo or whatever that might look like. So figuring out how to make your environment as flexible as it can be for those that it can be flexible for because that ultimately will help you too, right? Losing someone or being down a person when you could forward the phones to their cell phone because they have the ability to do it from home but can't be in the office is probably, while maybe not your first preference, it's maybe more cost efficient than the alternative. Well, just looking for the contingency plan. You know, the contingency plan is what happens if this person leaves. And so now how do we bill? How do we answer these phones? How can we have two to three people answer phones? Is an outside service that's doing it? Is this this outside service actually less expensive, more expensive? And even what type of close ratio do they have on that new patient, you know, on the phone? All these things you're always looking to improve upon. And one of the ways that you're gaining information about all these things is, you know, I like to think about it as consultants add value. So, you know, if you're in a group of a hundred dentists from a Facebook group and you all graduated from the same dental school and you're all sharing best practices and ideas every month, those are probably a really good group of successful hunter dentists. If you're trying to do this all on your own at all times, you know, just reading information, trying and doing it, it may not be the best. So I love consultants because they can look at your business and see it. So it could be the outside person that's looking in how 
the operations and again, phone billing, anything on the front desk that potentially could be outsourced if we need that. It's a great, great backup plan to have. Absolutely. So staffing, clearly a big hot topic in 21. And as we go to 22, clearly if we kind of stay in that transition realm where we love to be, you know, timing of transitions, we're kind of a hot topic in that third quarter of 21 and now in 22, primarily because of taxes. Mm-hmm. Oh, nothing happened. Maybe five months from now, I'll eat my words. But, you know, where we stand today, right, in January of 22, it was a huge push of trying because we were all concerned that things were going to change immediately and there was going to be this huge tax ramification for transitioning on 1231 versus 1 1. And as of today, we don't have that big scary thing that we are all scared about and talked about and talked about and talked about. It didn't happen. Yeah, we heard so. for 10 months how, with a new president and a new economic environment, that, you know, taxes are going to go from this to that. The capital gains are going to go 20. It's, now it's going to be 40. We had all of these things, and so people basically sold their life's work out of fear for taxes. And so, yeah, nothing has changed. There's very, very small bracket changes so far for 22. And so, yeah, I just, just I always tell people, just plan with what you know. Your financial plan has to dictate that this is a good decision to bring the associate in. Your financial plan has to dictate the timing is right to become you know, an owner. Uh, financial plan will dictate bring the associate in and maybe create a partnership. But don't let these outside components uh, affect your decision making. If it's a political change or a tax change, just you have to just know that all of these are going to continue to change over your lifetime and uh, make the best decision based on today. So yeah, and if you know, like, hey, we know there's this tax law that's going to become effective ten thirty one of this year. That's well, then, signed into law. Yeah, that's signed in, and we all know. And you already planning to transition, you know, in the next six months. Go for it. Let's, Abs- let's do absolutely. it. Let's, let's absolutely. Let's let's make the most of the knowledge we have. But I think definitely the making a decision because of that. Right. We we all know how many factors should go into it. And I think the the one kind of siloed view of like, I'm doing this because of taxes is what we're trying to well, avoid. Well, again, it goes back to what do we know? What do we know today? So what we know today is today in 2022, this is our current tax law. All decisions will be made based on what we based know today. On that. Yep. Yep. Private equity, DSO, corporate, I mean, call it what you will. It's there. Also saw a big push in 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's still going to be here, still going to be as it has, even though we may have talked about it more in 20 and 21. It's been here much longer than that and will still be here and will still play a role. Just like any other type of transition, it's got to be right, right? right? You have to understand it, be educated about it. What does it mean? It is not simply just a big paycheck. There are more strings attached to it than that. And so that's... You know, again, if you're looking for that type of transition, we've got resources, but it's not something that's going to go away or has to be made because similar to taxes, like it's here to stay and it just has to be the right transition for you. And for some people it is right. Just like bringing on an associate or having a partnership or doing a walkaway sale. Every type of transition is a little bit unique. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about after this recording was just, you know, some future topics. And so one of them is as a dentist, you're going to accumulate wealth uh, in your practice as an associate or as an owner. And so the private equity thing is either going to impact you because you're an associate working for corporate, and then maybe you create some type of partnership with them. There's an opportunity of how you're creating wealth in that environment, or there's an opportunity as an owner that if you sold, these are just going to be 
options that are there for you. I think you need to be educated. As you said, there's certainly resources. We've got four episodes on this podcast that are just directed to that type of person to educate them. But to think that this is just going to go away, to think that, hey, last year they were paying 7.5x you know, in the general practice, that was the number 8x or 9x on this. And that for sure is going to be the highest multiple that they ever pay. So therefore, we have to sell this year. Again, that is a financial planning decision that you need to understand. Does this make sense for you at this time based on what we know and not try to speculate that that's going to be the highest number? You're missing out on something or to speculate that it's just going to be higher in the future. You just have to know it's here. It's not going to change, meaning to go away, but it's like an enemy. You want to know what's your enemy. You want to know what your competition. You want to know what's out there uh, so you can be strategic in your business model. Yep, I like it. Okay, so I want to wrap up the episode by talking about some maybe like quick tips, like reminders, things we've probably said on here hundreds of times, but for those who are preparing to buy or sell, just some quick transition tips. So you want to start us off with a few? Yeah. Yeah. So I love our buyer's checklist. I love when I'm talking to a buyer and and I can tell they haven't listened to our podcast. I can tell when they have listened to our podcast, (laughs) you know, I'm like, you need to listen. But no, I think our buyer's checklist, the, the blog that we have, a lot of those resources are just so I'm thankful for those resources because they're tools. They help the buyer and they certainly help us. I mean, we got our seller's transition guide as well. A lot of times we're on the kind of initial first or two phone calls with either the buyer or seller, just setting expectations with them and really helping them understand kind of where their situation is and kind of direct traffic a little bit with which one of these maybe resources that are there. But yeah, your, your team has done a great job of kind of building this out. I know that Joellen that handles all of our marketing and, and social has done a great job too with kind of organizing all this. So it's certainly a good resource for both our buyers and sellers. Yeah. And I think those are foundational pieces that even if you, you know, downloaded it a year ago or two years ago when it came out and now you're looking to buy like I think it takes a new perspective when you actually see it in relationship to what you're actually physically going through Mm -hmm. same with some of those early episodes you know I will hearken back to again if you are looking to buy or sell I think the first and most important step that you will need to do is know your goals know why you are doing this know what you want to achieve so that you can go into it with a clear frame of reference and something to kind of go back to. Because when you get into the middle of negotiations and you get into the middle of what my practice is worth or what the price is or all these various things, it can really like cloud the Mm -hmm. vision of what you really, really are intending to do. Like, what was your goal? Your goal was to retire. You said at the beginning you didn't need X dollars that you could sell it for nothing and be fine. And so now we're fighting over $10,000 when you said that's not what you needed. So, I mean, and for buyers, right? Like, where do you want to go? Where do you want to live? Right? Like it doesn't matter if the practice is a 30% overhead, if it's in somewhere you hate. So like remembering why you're doing this is critical to staying logical about the process versus like getting emotionally and heated about things that might not matter. I 100% just giggle and so excited when I talk to people 
and I can push them a little bit. You know, when they say, well, it's a few years from now that they're looking to maybe own or a few years now they're thinking about, you know, that they're on the transition. I'm just like, I just stop them in their tracks. I'm like, Bob, I've heard you say three things here. (laughs) You said 56. You said several years. You said one year. Let's, can we just agree that you probably are going to be in that practice working in some capacity at 2025 or 2020? You're right. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So can we agree we want him to be an associate for a year? You agree that he's going to be a partner and agree you're going to sell 100% at this time. Does that sound reasonable for you, Bob? Yeah, it does. So let's write that down. Now, I would like you to think about that. I'll send you a message kind of outlining what we talked about today as some of what I, I wrote critical notes or, or what we agreed to. But before we really have another conversation with Johnny... I really want you and your spouse to talk about this. Is this what you want to do? Yep. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. And the same with the buyer. It's yep. just pushing them a little bit because remember, and I talked to two orthos this week that they're going to be buying a practice together. And one was asking me some very specific questions about this. I'm like, we're not wrecking this deal. We're doing this. Okay, this is, we are buying this practice 100%. Like, mm-hmm. If I, if I posted this practice on the AO right now, I'd have 100 buyers. Yep. We are going to buy this together. This is not going to mess it up, Charles. That's right. We are not going to mess this up. Let's get engaged and let me buy, help you buy this product. It's so fun to kind of push them a little bit, both on the buyer side and on the seller side, when they're either unsure about something and really helping them make it clear, or if they're clear about it, ultra clear and not to not to wreck this deal. And so I think those buyers and those sellers, I think we've got deeper relationships with them because of a lot of these tools, because they're educated and they can really, you know, really make a good decision. Make for a decision that's kind of well-rounded. Absolutely. Yep. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground today. I love fresh starts. I love planning. I love lists. So this is like my <laughs> cup of tea, but I do think that there, it's a good time of year. It's a good, it's a good time to kind of think about what you want to accomplish in the next year. Literally anything is possible transition wise at this point in the year, especially we hear people say, Hey, I like to transition on 12, you know, 31. Well, start thinking about it now because mm-hmm. that's going to be here before we know it. And there's a lot of steps to take, you know, whether you're just starting your education process or you're ready to make the jump. We're here. Like Charles said, we've got buyer's checklist, seller transition guide, blogs, other 67 more plus podcast episodes. And our team is here to help you. So listen in. Thank you for listening. We're looking forward to a great 22. And just remember, if you haven't listened to Transition Talk or know someone who hasn't, is there someone? Then have them listen wherever they listen to their podcast. Thanks so much, Charles. All right. Happy New Year, guys. Evening. evening.